Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Get the Tell, the podcast about shows, and it's hosted by uh, <laughs> Reverend Lecture Shmoey uh, <laughs> We'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like Just Look at Hans, How Can You Not Hit Him? and the Criterion Collection, <laughs> Greatest Answering Machine Message Catalog of the 90s. Uh, I'm Trevor Record, and I'm joined by Hans Seidemann in Prince Rupert, Canada. Oh, hello. <laughs> Stu Derek Kotick in Vancouver, Canada. There's actually a correction because it's Jack Nicholson and he's not going to yeah. snow yet. <laughs> <laughs> and Kalina McCordoff in London, England. My favorite, only one who kill for pleasure. <laughs> Eek, eek. <laughs> we can't come to the phone right now. So we'll be reviewing episode 10 of season 4, which aired in February 2nd of 1994. Let's kick things off with our sketch rundown. We've got Incompetent Receptionist, where Bruce plays an incompetent receptionist who doesn't write anything down and works for Berman, Berman, and Schwanstall. Uh, Employer-employee exchange with Sir Simon Milligan and Hecubus, where they switch roles for a day. Uh, We also got three cops. Oh, boy. Three cops in which they haze the the rookie. Uh, That's just it. They just abuse the rookie. Did you know cops are dumb and they do dumb hazing? The only thing I could think of that they... they did this for laughs for was the the idea that Canadians for one let alone like Canadian cops would be mean to each other that must just be funny in the states I don't know yeah. <laughs> I think it's just like general uh, yeah psychic delivery service yeah. uh, where Mark plays a psychic whose shtick is to take advantage of old ladies making them deliver packages <laughs> nice uh-huh. uh Answering machine, a couple fight over creating the perfect, hilarious answering machine greeting. Uh, that being the most creative outlet in the, of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> celebrity trauma. Uh, Scott talks about how troubles don't exist until a celebrity talks about them publicly. But he will do not, not divulge his own private struggles. Of being a teen oh, hustler. Such a good heart. Or, what was it? A, a teen hustler or... Uh, Having an allegiance to the devil. Yes, that's the one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just that. That old thing. I think he says an alliance. That's not really no, a struggle. I, just a. I thought he said I have an al- I have an alliance with the devil, which I like because allegiance makes it sound like you know this dark pact. An alliance is just like yeah, we're cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> truth. I mean, truth. Uh, yeah, we we have mutual aims we're trying to accomplish together. <laughs> He did yeah. sell sell his soul to the devil so that his That's dreadlocks true. would be made out of weed. <laughs> Bauer. Uh, Bauer sketch, yeah. Uh, and then finally we have Divorce Court, where Mr. Tizan and Francesca Fiore appear in Divorce Court, um, which for some reason has a jury, uh, because Francesca has married Mr. Tizan and is constantly hitting him. But how can you help it? <laughs> Also, Bruno Punch Jones shows up, and apparently he's like 14. <laughs> and he murders someone in the courtroom. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to start today's episode off with a discussion of the Mark aesthetic. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. I really liked 
the psychic delivery service. And I think what I liked about it is it's so Mark, you know, in a way that like, usually you only get with his like recurring characters, his chicken ladies or his head crushers. But this one is, is not a recurring character. So you, you've got like the weird Southern drawl psychic, which he plays, exploitation of the naive, uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of surreally just dropping packages through the <laughs> ceiling of a uh, psychic mm-hmm. psychic's place. And uh, just sort of the weird way that normal people just accept a new and not normal set of rules. Um, and I don't know if we've ever really talked about this. This may be our great undiscovered country, which is what makes something <laughs> a, a Mark mm. sketch. Uh, and I feel like the psychic delivery service has the answers we mm. seek. It's, it's so interesting because so, when you when you propose this um, segment, I kind of thought I'm like, well, you know, it didn't it didn't actually come off to me as a Mark sketch, and it actually got me thinking. And I think we've touched on this before: is that the brilliance and perhaps the difficulty for Mark is that he blends so well. We've always said he's the best mm, actor, and the difficulty is yeah. that the other kids have such a distinct flavor <laughs> that you always well, get a sense of what they're going to be doing, the vibe they're going to be giving off in their monologues or sketches that you know that they're um, sort of the heavy hitter on. And and Mark can yeah. almost make anything work, which is, is, is amazing, makes him a brilliant actor. But I think for me, it tends to mean that aside from his distinct characters, maybe doesn't come across so much as this is a quote like Mark. He's sketch. the Jasmine Rice of the, uh, of the troops uh, <laughs> flavor ingredients, yeah. So I, I think that maybe like uh, the thing that like is his strength is that he's so good at playing characters, you forget that it's him playing those characters. Yeah. Yeah. But mm. I would still argue like this has a lot of the Mark sensibility. And so one of the th- things about the Mark sensibility is sort of like these very over the top characters. Uh, in this case, uh. it's like this kind of Southern preacher character, but he's a psychic. But the other thing is like, I think his sense of humor really kind of comes out here where it's like, what is really funny is just like a bunch of old ladies are being exploited by a shyster. And he has a lot of sketches that are like this. And it's something he, I think, (laughs) shares in common with Bruce. But like, I think it's more of a Mark thing, just like this sort of obvious exploitation but the the characters within the sketch do you know what i mean trevor i think you've basically nailed it there's like one small change i would make to what you suggested because i think you're right i think his aesthetic is very similar to bruce's aesthetic for like an extremely bruce sketch um in that it's kind of these uh extreme or weird characters with a kind of ridiculous premise but whereas bruce does those bits very like art cinema and kind of with a dark tinge to them marks tend to be more uh explicitly just like lighthearted and fu- and just like a, like a light humor thing right i'm thinking also of his like the um the the mouse sketch or um Oh, what's the other? Like, there's a couple other solo Mark sketches where he's just this weird person in this strange. Oh, what about the toe? Yeah, the toe. Well, that one's it. That one's. I, I don't think that's dark, yeah. but but yeah. But you know what I mean? It's just. Oh yeah. He, well, he just does this kind of over the he top. He does it with like an air, like a very light way yeah. of being like, wow, this man literally has no one in his life, and yet he's laughing about it. Yeah, and know? if Bruce were doing that sketch, mm. it would be really dark. It would be like my toe's been gangrenous for 15 years, yeah. and like thunder and lightning in the background, and Mark's just like. My toe, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Like I think it's like Bruce. 
he likes characters that have a lot of self-doubt and anxiety and kind of have a chip on their shoulder where it's like the mark characters do not have yeah. self-doubt they they're pure id they yeah. might be outsiders and eccentric but it's yeah it's pure id yeah exactly oh you just you mentioned the kind of shyster character and like yeah he does kind of like uh uh greasy kind of huckster kind of character because he does that in sex girl patrol too as the evangelion evangelion as the evangelion <laughs> as the evangelion yeah and we had it also the in pastor, um yeah money momentum yeah, yeah, oh, which is yeah. also a, a Bruce and and Mark sketch, but well, or in Gimmel like, Gimmel two thousand, ones... same thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. exactly. The Gim- yeah, oh, that's wait, a great is Gimmel is Gimmel Bruce? And even... It is, but he uses Mark as the. It's plant. the two of them. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark's Mark's the guy who gets brought. He's the, yeah. the the veteran who gets brought up on stage. He's the yeah, he's the plant. Yeah, 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 and even like characters that are not so much shysters are still, like, not really self-doubting characters. Like, Daryl or, like, mm. Mr. Tzitzik, the head crusher guy, like, they totally believe in themselves and what they're doing oh, in yeah. the world. Even yeah, if, 100%. like, they shouldn't. That That is totally, like, <laughs> <laughs> their thing is that they they have they have drank their own Kool-Aid for sure. What, do you guys have a, fa- I know, I know we're kind of talking outside of just, like, his, his repeating characters, but what is your guys' favorite mark recurring character or even not repeating character if you have a favorite i mean does anyone want to guess what mine is i mean mine's derail as well i mean obviously yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> derail is good i think head crusher is like so iconic though oh you yeah know? it's yeah. iconic but so is chicken lady uh, chicken lady is better than chicken lady i agree I think. yeah but I, I, yeah. I totally, even just thinking about Chicken Lady, I think I think your assertion about about the lack of self doubt is totally true. It's just like there, that is that is like one of the fucking weirdest characters, and especially the last Chicken Lady that we had, where she, yeah. she's going house to house, recreating oh, like God, really yeah. traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. and it's so dark, and yet it's played so lightly. Like where I, as a kid loved chicken lady because it was just so weird but i probably did not get how horribly (laughs) dark it was that's a great that's a great example of what i would think of as a mark character put into a bruce sketch you know what i mean like it's it's this kind of weird bruce or mark character but then it's like put into this art cinema kind of dark tinged past you know uh kind of bruce aesthetic um whereas like most of most of mark's things are just like pure ridiculousness I'm starting to feel like the strength towards all of through all of his characters now that I'm thinking about it is that almost like say a show like The Simpsons where you don't kind of get the the adult joke you get the the child joke when you're younger a lot of his characters <laughs> kind of all appeal to children almost almost in the same way as like Simon and Hickeybeast which I think is kind mm. of like maybe a one off there but like all of his characters mm. can seem so innocent unless you're paying attention so like as a kid for us growing up with it we all loved his characters and then you go back to them now and you're like what the fuck <laughs> he has a lot of characters that are sort of predatory but they're also so cartoony that yes, as a child yes. you focus on the cartooniness more exactly. than the weird violent evil <laughs> predatory nature of them. the vibe not the content yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like he plays monsters but they're weird goofy monsters with clown makeup on so you don't <laughs> notice they're monsters as a child necessarily 
Well, I think that's exactly it. Like what Kalina said about how he blends into roles. Because not only does he tend to let other people shine, he commits the hardest. He almost always does mm. a voice and like weird mannerisms, and he'll keep them all the way through. Like, can you imagine Dave doing an accent for an entire skit? Like, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) He would definitely break a couple times, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you you could easily mistake this as a Kevin sketch, which I I mean, I don't think it is, Mm. although it certainly has just Kevin being anxious in it. But it it is very much a Mark sketch to me. Kevin is great as the babushka too. Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, he yeah. is. He, yeah. I, I, I'm glad you called him a babushka too, Stu, because in my in all my notes, I'm like, look at all these babushkas delivering packages. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd also really like to think, as an aside, that this is the Jeff Bezos origin story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was gonna say that you know this this sketch in particular uh, also kind of reminds me of some of the Danny Husk sketches too. Um, so like I I mean what we we talk about Mark sketches and Bruce sketches and stuff. I'm sure that they you know they have writing partners. It's a group effort and stuff like that. But I wonder I wonder who the writing team was that did like those Danny Husk gets himself kidnapped because this had a very similar vibe to that, but just with a with with this kind of interesting more. Um, absurd mark character and and kind of i mean i was gonna say more absurd premise but the other premise is kidnapping getting kidnapped (laughs) when you're not kidnapped at all and paying ransom so i guess they're both equally absurd yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. one other thing about the mark aesthetic i just want to uh make sure i say before i forget is um i know some of us have been watching uh you know not to ruin our show about a 30 year old sketch show but some of us out of dedication to our our favorite uh, sketch show from 30 years ago started watching superstore and yeah and mark is doing such a like if you didn't know that mark always sounds like a muppet like you like like he has such a voice like he does such a weird voice in that show and he's doing it constantly and like that's not what he sounds like at all and that would be so that'd be such a pain to have to do that all the time but just mark with mark it just feels seamless you know it is weird to think that there's probably like just a whole audience that only knows him from Superstore, and yeah. his Glenn character is what exactly, Mark yeah, is yeah, to and them, thinks probably. that he sounds like a like like Beaker from the Muppets nonstop. Yeah, <laughs> my my partner walked love. in of me watching Superstore, and he said, "How did he ever get jobs if that's what he said?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but I mean, I can't imagine they make jokes about that on the show too, where he's like reading reviews, and he's like Muppet voice. <laughs> <Which is great. laughs> But they also have weird little quirks that he, like, compulsively drinks juice and he drinks, like, three (laughs) gallons a day. And he later gets diabetes from it. Like, it's fucking crazy. Which, I mean, obviously on a show like that, that's the writers. But, I mean, I just, what I find Mm -hmm. impressive about it is just the, the commitment to a weird voice and character, like, and mannerisms and stuff like that. Like, that's on the acting side of things. And it's evident that he has that ability in this show where, you know, he's, you know, he, he commits to these roles in ways that I don't think most of the other kids could, with the exception of maybe like, you know, one-off roles like Francesca Fiore with Scott or uh, Bruno Potts Jones for Dave or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it speaks volumes that at a time like this, um, he is the one in a like six season sitcom. That yes. It's running now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, Dave was also in a fairly long-running sitcom right after this too, but No, but I mean but I mean like how 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 long afterwards, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I think I think just um I couldn't 
see any of them aside from maybe even putting <laughs> their egos aside to not just be like oh it's a cameo kind of thing like mm. mark's in it mark's in <laughs> yeah 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 well that's also because mark is probably willing to like sell his soul to continue doing the acting thing whereas the others are like uh too proud <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, Bruce has spent like a decade making bad Saturday Night Live movie. So uh, I, I Bruce don't is know. Bruce is show running. Well, wasn't he working on Schitt's Creek and stuff? He's 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 show running a sketch show on CBC right now. Too. Yeah, he produces it. Yeah. 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 No, he also did like I think the most successful season of uh, um, Schitt's Creek was like fifty yeah. percent directed oh, no by shit. him as well. I guess. Oh. Just, I guess just yeah. talking about like on screen. I don't know. It just. It just. It, it feels yeah. right that Mark is the one doing a a current series like that. Yeah. But because I do, I do feel like we don't appreciate him a lot because we were always having to knock him down for his oh that and, and stuff <laughs> that I don't. Let's not even start now. <laughs> now to go back to the original topic, like I think there's one other element of the Mark aesthetic. And he, he, it's harder to notice because I think he very much shares it in common with Bruce, but it's sort of like they really like kind of sketches with sort of cartoon slash surreal reality rules where it's like, you know, it's mostly the, the real world, but just not quite like this whole business that runs on tricking old ladies into sell, like just delivering packages is sort of like it's not about just the businessmen you know like the mm. the the dave sketches or the or the scott sketches are it's all about much more realistic world things that i i don't know like there's yeah 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 go, go for like a like go for like a wackier premise yeah and it's not it's not like it's completely cartoon world stuff it's more like mostly the real world but like it's pivoted slightly well that's where i think like the the mouse mm. sketches is, is kind of like that right because i mean it's a very real world problem you have a mice infestation but then there's the 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 person who is dealing with it is a caricature and the the actions they take to to resolve it are like ridiculous and then also the mice gets into a small airplane yeah. and flies around, you know, like, but I mean, but the, 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 you know, the seed is extremely slice of life stuff. And like the seed of this sketch is person goes to visit a psychic, it, you know, fine. And then there's, Oh, but it's also delivery service and off you go. And we're psychic energy protecting your son, <laughs> whatever. Oh, I just, I really like that on the, the sandwich board outside for the psychic short store, psychic store, the psychic. <laughs> get your psychics. <laughs> there was uh, advertising that said 95% effective, which just seems, seems like an arbitrary number. Uh, um, so I think uh, we're, we're ready to move on from Mark. Uh, for my next segment, I, there's just one thing I've noticed, and uh, there's two sketches that are sort of like that, which is uh, there's getting to be a lot of couples fighting in this series. Uh, in this episode, we had two. <laughs> One was the, the, the answering machine uh, sketch, and the other one is uh, the divorce one where uh, Francesca Fiore beats her husband. And uh, I'm just like, mm. is this going to be like kind of a, a, the theme of the later seasons is just In like... The answering machine sketch doesn't Bruce bad, also make a bad marital about, like, problems. Everything starts off good in the start. <laughs> yeah, right. And you'd lose it like little, little bleak kids. <laughs> yeah. I would say when, I, I remember us having a conversation about sort of family dynamics of the of this kind at the start, 
And perhaps it was some of the kids, uh, uh, as Scott says in his monologue, perhaps sharing some of their childhood traumas <laughs> and uh, family dynamics. And I think I think you're right. I mean, I do think we have seen sort of couples fighting since the start, but now we're seeing from families, right, and to, to just couples, say, without children being like sort of a punchline in this or perhaps the traumatic subject of said uh, discontent. <laughs> The, the early seasons, it's the family trauma from their childhoods. And now I feel it's like, no, it, it's now the, the adult trauma that they're all currently going through. Well, exactly. I mean, I was, I was just going to say, I mean, like Dave Foley has a notably uh, contentious breakup to his marriage, which uh, his mar- he, he got married in 91 and they divorced in 97. So this was filmed in 94. So this is mid that, that marriage. And yeah, is it possible that they were having some struggles at that point that then became fodder for writing sketches? A hundred percent. I mean, I don't, like, I don't, no, no question in my mind that that's the I, case. I don't know if it's just them either. I mean, a whole lot of milk. No, but I mean, that's just an example. <laughs> one, one example. And I suspect, I suspect the others were probably having similar kind of experiences at the same time. The whole 90s, though, was like a whole riff on like everyone starting to have divorces and all of the movies were like, parents get divorced and then kid really lashes out and and what is it like to get the family back together or how does everyone solve their problems wasn't there like an ashley and mary kate olsen movie that was just about trying to trick their parents no that was uh that was uh lindsay Lindsay lohan Lohan, the parent trap trap, where she plays her own twin and like but like Liar Liar was all about divorce. Mm, that's the right. The Santa Claus right. with Tim Allen was about divorce. I thought it was, maybe it's like, I think divorce rates were highest in the 90s, or maybe there was just a lot of discussion about it. For all the filmmakers that listen to our podcast, <laughs> please don't make movies where a child tries to, through deception and trickery, get their parents to remarry. Yeah, it's not good. As someone whose parents divorced in the very early 90s i definitely had fantasies about the whole like trying to get them back together thing and i i want to blame oh, i want to blame that on the culture i blame it on the culture it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> no, my see, naive I, six-year-old brain <laughs> it was the culture i have a hilarious counter argument to that which is my parents also divorced in the 90s and uh i remember being in like grade nine or ten you remember where, like when email chain started being a thing and it was like answer all the all the most important things about your best friend and send it back and a girl who considered herself a close friend said like what what is kalina's uh biggest like fantasy for her life and they're like that her parents would get back together and i'm like god no (laughs) jesus christ never get those two back together (laughs) and that's when i knew she didn't know me at all and you were like and then you had a a little teen life crisis where you're like can anyone truly be seen (laughs) I mean, I was nine, not quite preteen, indeed. You were having email chains when you were nine? Jesus. Yeah. We used to go to the library (laughs) and just sit on (laughs) MSN. I'm just imagining. I'm sorry, I can't get the idea of a nine-year-old Kalina just like, just send in some emails. (laughs) Like, I don't know why that amuses me so much, but it really does. I gotta go down to the library. I have a Zoom call. Ooh, guys, I got a lot of I got a lot of emails I gotta get to today. I'll uh, I'll catch up with you later, Dad. I gotta go to the library. My 
check check it on these emails <laughs> go going to the library to use the internet is also a very very much a, an artifact of the 90s oh, or the and, internet uh, cafe the internet cafe of which prince rupert still has one okay uh speaking of artifacts of the 90s hans i think you wanted to talk about the answering machine sketch a bit too which is very very strongly a 90s throwback. yeah i mean well. i just thought that like uh, as as the sketch was going on i was thinking to myself man the like the humorous answering machine machine message like what a what a cultural product that ha- only existed for a short period of time like there was there was mm-hmm. a decade where the humorous answering machine message existed and like i don't know about you my parents definitely tried to do a humorous answering machine message and i hated it it was just so dumb and it was like <laughs> Leave a message unless you're a telemarketer, in which case go to hell. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> you know, it was just ah, oh, I hated it. But yeah. um, it, it like when um, Bruce had a quote in there that when he said it, I was like, wow, he's correct. Uh, which was he was comparing himself to like Picasso and whatnot. Um, and he was saying the most important creative output of the '90s. Uh, and I thought to myself, he's not wrong. Like what? There is not a. There's not a more <laughs> time capsule cultural product of the 90s than the answering machine message and i feel like this couple if they were alive today would be making tiktoks you know what i mean that oh for oh, sure that is a very is, good is that our current our current it's most our, important i mean cultural vines language. vines and tiktoks are like oh. the answering machine messages of the you know 10s and 20s right i miss vines <laughs> this is jack nichols <laughs> But it, it did make me really like want to do an art project where you go to all the like secondhand stores and Salvation Armies and flea markets and stuff and just buy all of the answering machines you can find and take all the tapes out and just like like troll through them like an archaeologist looking for gems, both in the messages, which I think would be f- like funny slices of life, but also like trying to find those humorous uh, uh, answering machine uh, messages. I think that would be delightful. Trevor, um, yeah. speaking of moral, uh, culturally bankrupt in the 90s, I came across something last night to this effect. For some reason, I needed to listen to Eurodance by myself in my apartment <laughs> at like 11.30 at night. As you do. And I came across... Yeah, you had an itch that needed to be scratched. I did. I had to go there. And I came across a track called Where Do You Go by No Mercy. Oh, yeah. Which Classic. is bad. Yeah, you know you know the one where it's like a lot of shouting? Mm-hmm. Um, so Can you make the sounds group. with your mouth? Because I don't know which one you're talking about. Uh, it's almost like, where do you go, my lovely? Oh, yeah. And yeah. There's like a little where do you guitar. go? So I got. <laughs> it was the one that they always knighted the Roxbury headed. You know? No, no that's, that's different. That's this no, is the no, rhythm. Of, oh no, that's not that's not rhythm of the night. No, <laughs> no, night at the Roxbury is Hadaway. What is love? What is love? Oh yeah, yeah. No. baby, don't no, that's hurt. right. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Which, as as a tangent, I also watched the music video for that, and for some reason, they're vampires in this like really <laughs> gauche Venetian palace. It's incredible. Okay, but no mercy. Where do you go? We all recognize that one. It is a like fully ripped off cover of a French Euro band that is much better oh. called La Bouche. Oh, oh, La Bouche. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, they just took it and they're like, yeah. But it next like the other had something kind of edgy, and La Bouche had a kind of like that weird, not weird, but they had that like intense S and M sex music fun. Sure. And then No Mercy is just some fucking Bronx meatheads singing it exactly the same, <laughs> and they try to choreograph dancing, but they don't have it down, so they shoot it like through a fence. And they're just, like, not really in sync. But, like, yeah. No, you could do that in the 90s. You could just be like, yeah, 
They have this in Europe. Do do that. Do that song. <laughs> <laughs> something that just occurred. Something that just occurred to me. This is a very silly idea. But what if we? What if we all just now took a turn trying to record what our humorous voicemail message would be? Hmm. This is making me think of that episode of Seinfeld. Exactly. Where you, yeah. Like George Costanza had that. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Oh my god! I also saw a TikTok recently where someone was like, "Oh God, remember when you used to when you got um." you had the voicemail on your phone for the first time and you would like record music onto it so that mm. people would just like hear an mm. intro to your favorite song and be like, thanks for calling. <laughs> you know? Kalina, you, know? you sound so earnest as a child, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Kalina's share zone. And like, I assume just the intro bars to No Mercy's Where Do You Go starts playing because it's the only good song that's ever been recorded. But like, yeah, and now, and now like who, the, who if the mo- moment that I hear... A voicemail message. I hang up. Yeah. Yeah. No message. Yeah. So I want to move us on to uh, our standout sketch. And worst sketch if we want to. But I think we're all going to just agree that it was the uh, cops this time. Um, Yeah, that was garbage. There wasn't even a joke. They were just like, yeah, cops are dicks. Hazing is bad. It's the kind of thing that actually just happens all the time in the real world. Where it's like, oh, a... A rookie saw his first dead body, so while he's puking, we kicked him in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) That'll learn him for having empathy. (laughs) Well, Stu, what was was your standout sketch, though? I want to give... This is not my favorite standout sketch, but I want to give special props to Scott in the Celebrity Trauma, because he looked like such a heartthrob, and I appreciated that. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, oh, yeah. I, oh yeah. He, yeah. He's getting some nice hair. He's getting some yeah, nice clothes. It's growing out. He, he, got, yeah. he got out of... He got away from the penisy yeah, bull cut yeah. at the start of the, the title sequence, and it's getting a little bit more. <laughs> it's good. Um, I really liked uh, Mr. Tassane. Tassane? Mm-hmm, Tassane? Mm-hmm. It's just the, his del- yeah. Kevin's delivery and his blank little face in that character is so good. There's a point where the, <laughs> oh, the, bailiff, the bailiff hits him. He's like, oh, boy, tea. Like, he's just... Ex- <laughs> and he has a whole tea set in front of him, which I love. And he's just so milk toast. T-San is, like a, uh, is another name for herbal tea, too, eh? Right? Oh, is it? Oh, that's <laughs> cute. Yeah. He's the gimme a tea, you bastard guy, which I didn't know was ever going to be brought back. You think it's that guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, the it's same guy. guy. Yeah. That's, that's why he's having tea. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um... But I think if I had to pick one to stand out, it's probably the incompetent receptionist. Just because. Oh, really? okay. Also, my throwback to, to Euro 90s trash, <laughs> uh, Scatman John's skeetity bop. Yep, yep. <laughs> and it made me. Bruce's, uh, Bruce's incompetent mutterings made me think of that, and that was made me really happy. Mm-hmm. Really tickled your brain okay. after a whole night of 90s Euro pop. What, what, is, what, is, what does that one get out of five for you? Uh, I'm going to give it Burnman, Burnman, Storfels out of. Five actual names. Um, quick, quick mm. aside. Uh, since you said it was your standout sketch, did any of you notice that the first package uh, in the psychic delivery service was delivered yes. to Berman, Berman, and Sloan? Oh, I did oh. not. Oh, that was good. Very, oh. very clever, kids. <laughs> I don't know which one of you came up with that, but very smart. Someone did something. They, it's like they had a set uh, and they um, needed to reuse it. Yep. 
I also like that it was Dave on... I mean, it was definitely because they just had the set belt, but I like to think that it was uh, Bruce's receptionist was fired. That's That was it, my headcanon as well, oh, yep. yep. That was entirely guys, my headcanon. Good, good connection. Kalina, which was your... So I, I have to say, I don't remember Psychic reading at all, um, and so I was very tickled by it. I thought it was so good. But Answering Machine is my favorite out of mm. this one. Um, it's... Is just so great, and I I do I know I always try to draw all of the Bruce's back into the unified Bruce theory, <laughs> but I do, I do feel like this is the creative outlet that the fuck the bank guy tried to find after he left his job. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess it was particularly the line where he said something like straight messages, they're for government clerks. <laughs> and that really yeah okay yeah that makes sense. Um, I I. I also like it a lot, but I, I you know, it, it also hurts me a little bit because I can see a bit of myself. Yeah, I, I, need you, I need you to elaborate on this, Trevor. Do tell us more. Oh, it, it's just the, the, like, okay, this this guy has, like, decided he's going to put too much effort into something that doesn't matter, and it's not <laughs> to the kind of level of quality that he wants to be, even though it doesn't fucking matter. And now he's being kind of a dick about it because he's, like, unhappy happy with his own like creative output and it doesn't look, fucking matter like this look, project ju- ju- <laughs> like, just pride. oh yes justin's twitter polls are very important we'll find out what the best beer is oh dear so yeah i think i'd, I'd give this uh four eek eeks out of five <laughs> uh, <laughs> the like horror in her face is so painful when she realizes that it's it's just a stinker of a message. Mm-hmm. It's right at the end where she's just like, and we'll swing on by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, trail, the trail off there is key, yeah. It is a very perfect pairing, too, because it's like, first off, Bruce is just being a complete obsessive asshole about something that does not matter. Mm-hmm. But then, like, she's also like, the thing that you do is easy, and I could easily do it. And then it just makes yeah. the fight all the worse, you know? Where it's like, oh, it is hard to do. Fuck, jeez. Okay, what you do know, I do? I was actually surprised that they made it so that her message flopped. Because when they said, yeah. girls can't leave funny messages, the studio audience went, Ooh, all at once. Well, and then Kevin was, <laughs> was like, like sit, oh, okay. sit down, little man. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. Oh, She's yeah. going to knock this out of the park. And then, yeah, unfortunately not. Yes. It was so perfect. It was just it was just really well-rounded. The Jack Nicholson thing, though, <laughs> that he's doing is like the perfect example. It was like he's putting a lot of effort in not and good. it's not it's really not landing. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not his wife's fault. It is his fault. He, his Jack is weak. She's right. <laughs> Jack is weak. Yeah. Although he, he's also right in that is. her timing was late on everything. I mean, come on. Like, what are you doing here? Oh, God. Yeah, yes, but his his weak Jack it could have tied it together, and it's not. And it, it's yeah, his fault. That's right. If you're going to clutch, you got to come prepared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hans, what what is your standout sketch, well, by I, the way? Well, I, I loved Psychic Delivery Service. Uh I loved answering machine message. I'm actually surprised no one's given it to psychic delivery service yet, but I'm, I'm giving it to divorce court. Um, okay. Just cause divorce court had so many nice moments in it. Like I love seeing Francesca Fiore and Bruno Punce Jones in totally out of context, like out of their movie, you know, like in the real world. And um, <laughs> Francesca Fiore is just so great in the real world 
walking up to <laughs> walking up to uh, or like swear in on the stand and the guy brings the bible over and she's just like no just no mr bible man or something like that and then later on <laughs> yeah. when the when the bible man or the the clerk like hits <laughs> mr t and she's like Is, see mr bible man <laughs> and it's it's just um, <laughs> it's not your fault bible man that's right um uh, it's it's true. I say go go. I take him to scientists. They weigh him and everything. Um, like, just that was I don't know. She was she was. I mean, uh, Scott was delightful in that. Um, and then Bruno Punstone's coming in and just shooting up the, the lawyer in cold blood, uh, talking about how he married her when he was twelve and she was twenty six. Uh, everything about it worked for me. And then the the cherry on top was the bragging about Canadian health care at the very end and singing of the Canadian national anthem, filling yeah. us with national pride. That's... I mean, that's it's sketches like those that make me proud to call myself a Canadian. So I give it, uh, I give it four uh, guilty verdicts out of five. It, it, it had like my favorite line of the entire episode too, which is just like, I like the beaver, but Wolverine's my favorite. <laughs> Only one who killed for pleasure. Yeah. And he just has this psycho look yeah. on his face when yeah. he says it. You know, I think like I got to round things off here for myself. Um, just saying psychic delivery service also delivers a, a big big shout out mm. as well so i'm gonna give that four out of five uh packages appearing from the roof <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> nice. And, and like more than anything like i think um we've been watching this show for years and we've been talking about everyone and like this was the this was like the sketch where like it gave me the locus to kind of be like this explains Mark's sense mm. of humor to me. And if I mm. wanted to like try and just pick a specific sketch that is what Mark is about, I think Which I is would funny because he's one. not in it for very much. <laughs> but it is extremely Mark. Yeah. But it is very Mark. You're not wrong. He ties it together so well. Like he couldn't do it without Scott. He couldn't do it without Kevin. Like Kevin is is really pushing it along so much yeah. but it's still just so marked to me you he's know? like a real uh, he's like a real uh, good quality afghan rug in a shitty la bungalow <laughs> it really ties yeah. the place together scott yeah. scott's operator is also real good true true scott does oh, very well at these kind of like mm. there's no bad boys there's <laughs> yeah, no, no bad, bad boys. boys no bad boys <laughs> well there might be one bad boy but i'll i'll keep it on this <laughs> didn't didn't love Kevin's Milligan this episode, but uh, yeah, that's all. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for our episode ten review. Join us next week for episode eleven, which will be hosted none other by Hans. Mm. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at KithAntelPod. Weigh in on your favorite sketch and enjoy some delightful gifts. Thank you for listening. Beep. <laughs> <laughs>
Where is the phone? My lovely, where is the phone?